Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. The Premier League Preview Show with Talk Sport. fan for the, the fair football for the fair decision so so the referee must be helped sometimes in good well, is offside is offside what can I say so it's nothing I'm, I think in the future and even the present will be will be fair and, and and that's all the most important now that we are on the semi-final that is the most important and I think we deserve to be on the semi-final my players are heroes I told you before the before the game Happen what happen, I'm going to feel proud about about them. And after to be qualified for the semi-final, making history, more than happy and more than proud to for them. It's the Premier League preview show for week 35 of the 18-19 season. After a game like Wednesday night, the last thing Manchester City's players and fans will want to see is Tottenham Hotspur. To be reminded of what could have been, of the quadruple chance that has come and gone of the Champions League, the owners feel they've already paid for. Well, sorry guys, Tottenham are turning up again this weekend in their Barcelona training kit, but no VAR this time, so that might help Pep Guardiola. That's the big one, but there's loads more to talk about. I'm Tom Rennie and this is the Premier League Preview Show. Let's say hello to our panel. No David Walker this week. He's been called to Newcastle on business. He tells me he's meeting Paul Dummett. Where and when, I don't know. We'll find out next week. But we have ably replaced him for this week's show. Joining us, one of our regular panellists, the former West Ham, Watford, Leicester and several other club striker, David Connolly. How are you, mate? I'm very good. Back from skiing, how was it? It was um, beautiful. You seem yes. like a man who would ski. A man of class and culture. Uh, a debonair well, man. I don't know about that, but uh, it was good. Yeah, it was very enjoyable. Austria, beautiful place. I'm glad you survived it. It seems far too scary for me. I like to lie down in the sun and maybe bake my scalp. Uh, also with us, a man who maybe shouldn't go in the sun uh, for the first time this year on the show, uh, the former Portsmouth Stoke and Reading man, Dave Kitson's here. How are you, Dave? You okay? Very, very well. Very are you more well. of a skier than a sun I've only skied man? once in my life because we're not allowed to do it, obviously, when we, when we play. It's one of those things that we're blacklisted from, so we can't do it. But I did. But it when did that ever stop time. you? Well, yeah, I know, but you know, it's... It, 
every little advantage for me because I was a very middling player. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I, no, I did it for the first time, and I have to say, I, I really enjoyed it. Really? Yeah, I didn't think I would, but I really enjoyed it. All the cool kids are doing it now. If Connolly does it, I'm on board. That's my motto for life. Uh, right, let's get into some of these games, shall we? Loads to get through, but we've got to reflect on Wednesday night's big game as well because, of course, those two teams, City and Tottenham, meet again on Saturday. City have won each of their last three Premier League games against Tottenham Hotspur and, of course, did win in the Champions League on Wednesday as well despite going out on goal difference. Tottenham have lost each of their last four away games, conceding two goals in each of those games. Despite the Champions League successes, they last lost more in a row on the road in the top flight in 2004 when David Pleat was their manager. So despite all the joyousness and well-earned joyousness of midweek, in the league right now, it is not going Tottenham Hotspur's way. Dave Kitson, are we all right to out you as a Spurs fan? I'm oh, sure people know this already. Night. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where were you watching it? How were you watching it? And did you see that result coming? Do you know what? I, 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 I always feel with Spurs that, that we can score. I can, I'm going to use the royal we because, you know, you <laughs> as a Spurs fan, you don't get an opportunity to do that very often. So I always feel that we can score with players like Mora and Son. I always feel we've got, we've got a chance. And because City are so exposed at the back from time to time, the pace of those two, and that, that sort of proved to be the case, not that I'm the oracle, but you just felt with the right kind of play, they would get something. But I did feel that City would, um, would score two or three at least. Um, which proved, which also <laughs> proved to be the case. I mean, it was it's just a freak game, isn't it? It's unbelievable. City won it, not enough. What is this with Pep Guardiola, David Connolly, and losing games before the semi-finals of the Champions League? It's happened multiple times now with City, multiple times with Bayern Munich. He said last night in his post-match comments, "Well, we don't concede many goals in these games. Well, there was a hatful last year against Liverpool." Another load conceded against Tottenham. And last week on the show, we were talking about City fans comparing Imeric Laporte to the quality of Virgil van Dijk. It's not the case, is it? No, certainly not the case. I mean, last night, for sure, they missed Fernandinho. Um, I know we've questioned, certainly, before, you know, did they sign enough in that holding midfield role? Uh, They basically just have Fernandinho. Now, he tried to get Jorginho. He didn't. And if you look at, say, Liverpool... Uh, they strengthened where they needed to. Yes, in goal in the summer. Yes, at the back with the likes of Van Dijk, but also in midfield with Fabinho who's come in and done brilliantly. Obviously, Kieta can play that role and Jordan Henderson. I just think that obviously they're they're not as strong defensively as Liverpool. Basically, if Liverpool win the league, their defence has been the difference. Yeah, Van Dijk was great in Porto again. He last was. Night as well. I mean, he's he's arguably you know the best centre half and. If I was Man City, I know they're looking at holding midfield player, but I'd be going to some someone like Delict, someone like mm. that from Ajax, who is who is arguably the next Van Dyke. He would mm. probably win you the league. Might be quite a big cue for him, though, I'd imagine, considering what's happened this week. We've got to talk about VAR. We have to talk about it. It won't be in play, of course, this weekend in the Premier League. We don't have it as yet. But this for me last night, so I wasn't watching the game live. I was out for dinner uh, and I was going to watch the full game live, like in full when I got back. And then we got so many messages from people saying, forget what you're doing, leave the wives, get to a pub, watch the last 10 minutes, which we did. Uh, haven't seen the wives since. She may have left me. I'm not sure. Um, and basically the whole debate in the pub was, well, that is why VAR will always be better than not having it. Because we nearly had the wrong team in the Champions League semi-final. Can one of you tell me today that VAR is a bad thing for football after last night? Maybe not the Spurs fan. <laughs> but do, do you think if, if we hadn't had VAR, that Llorente's goal would have stood? Yeah, that's got, the thing, isn't it? I got a feeling that it would probably 
balance out somehow. Well, cause... but it wasn't given, was it? Like Originally, the referee didn't give that as a handball, so the review essentially changed nothing. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. But you've still got... It, this is the problem with VAR, in a sense that it, it got it spot on, obviously, because it's technology and... It, and it's like goal line technology. It's either in or it isn't. You know, offside, you're either off or you're not. Goal, you know, penalty decisions, goals, they're still subjective. You can have all the technology in the world. You still need human interpretation. Mm. You had it cut to the to the the, the um, pundits in the BT Sport um, suite, and and you know, you've got Rio Ferdinand saying, "Well, it's clearly hit his arm." You've got Gary Lineker saying, "No, it did." You've got somebody else saying, "Yes, it." You've got all of Man City this morning saying it was, it was handball. You've got everyone else saying it wasn't. So what do you what do you think? Would you give that as handball? If you'd have it, seen that it's first time, his, it's hit his arm, hit his hip, and gone in. So it used to be the case that handball was deliberate, right? I'm not even sure if that still exists anymore. There's no. It's, he hasn't deliberately handballed that. It's hit his arm, hit his hip, and gone in. We're in a weird space, aren't we, with handball? Because next season we're going to have it where if the ball hits the arm in any way, the hand in any way, and mm. goes in, that goal will be disallowed. So next season that probably wouldn't be a goal because it has hit his hand on the way in. But at the moment yeah. we are still debating deliberate touching of the ball. Don't don't forget Spurs had one in the first leg with Danny Rose flew out to block a, you know how you can fly out to block to, to charge down a shot with your arms by your side I, I don't think I've ever seen a defender come out like that it's hit his arm I looked at it and thought yeah I, I get it because it may well have been flying into the top corner but at the same time it's not intentional anyway they got the penalty they missed it so mm. it's still all subjective for me yeah and also I think when things are slowed down often they can look you yeah. know more intentional or deliberate than they were in, in open play and th I think that's the problem um, and at times I think it's taken too long it's certainly taking too long. Well, it was long. about 68 and seconds last night. That's not too bad, is it? No, that, that's I not mean, too it's bad. I not but great we for Guardiola. We had some in the juventus Ajax game as well, uh, some contentious decisions, and it just took too long, and sometimes they went to VAR, and there was no need to go to VAR yeah. because he was clearly onside. One of them, it was a goal, with, you know, deliberating about offside, and there was no way it needed to do that. So it still needs refinement. Yeah, definitely But obviously, but, but, you know, look, it, it's slowly getting there. But you think the World Cup, it worked quite well. Mm. I thought actually it would work a little bit better in the Premier League uh, or in the Champions League. Yeah, there's definitely, I think you're both absolutely right. that We still need to develop it, but I just it just gets absolutely right on my nerves when people say, I saw Danny Higginbotham. We love Danny Higginbotham on the show, but he basically said this morning on TV, I'm still against VAR. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's like when people talk to like Nigel Farage or politicians who say things that are mad. I feel like the, the first response has to be, but we would have City in the semi-finals of the Champions League by error. Yeah, and yeah. that has got to be better, what we've got now, than City being celebrating this morning, but we all know it was an offside goal in the last minute. Yeah, it's I mean, gotta look, be we, it's got to... Because obviously you've got goal line technology. And we do love you, Danny, I should say that. Yes, I don't, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> we do have goal line tech too. Now, you know, imagine if you hadn't had that. You know, think of Lampard's goal in the World Cup, you know, yeah. when it was clearly a yard or two over the line. And I'm sure at some point, it hasn't happened this season, but... There'll be some goal mouth where they're debating whether it's crossed the line or not. You know, it isn't at the minute, but mm. so you do need it. Look, no, you've got to move at the times. Let's get to the game this weekend. That's everything that's happened on Wednesday, and they meet again Saturday early. That's what a couple of days to recover, then straight back into action against each other again. Talk to me about Man City right now and what the next couple of days building up to early Saturday is going to be like because. You know, you both would have suffered disappointments during your careers and, and things you felt were going your way and, and then weren't. You don't often then have to face the exact same team, the exact same players in the exact same scenario a few days later. And we can't forget here, 
that City, if they lose a game in this run, they've got Man United coming up Wednesday next week. I think mm. that game is that, that that game could cost them. This game could cost them the Premier League title as well. So how do they recover in the next couple of days? Yeah, well, look, it, it's professional pride is going to come into it. I think that the fact Tottenham are going to be severely depleted, um, they might well rest Deli Alley. Uh, they, they, look, I, I think if you're in the, it's more about really if you're in the Tottenham camp. What do you do if you're in the Tottenham camp? All right, of course you're going to try and set up to to get something from the game, but City have a full complement of players. They have to win. Spurs are in the next round of the Champions League. Arguably, they've got to get something to stay in the top four. But they're two goals away from uh, two, three games rather away from winning the Champions League. Mm. This is a really tough game. They have no Kane, probably no Deli Ali, no Sissoko. It's b- they've sort of been wiped out from that game. It's no co- Dyer as well. Yeah, Winks no, is no, out. Lamella is out. Jorier is out, I believe, as well. Yeah, you're probably going to have to play Skip, an 18-year-old kid who was on the bench yesterday. Um, so it, it's going to be difficult. I, I mean. But they can't afford to lose this game, Tottenham, can they? They need to go there and try and get something from it. The race is so tight for that top four. I mean, the fact they didn't make any signings in the summer and then still sold Dembele in mm. January, I think it I think it was a mistake, you know. So I think they've done really well to even still be competing the way they are. Um, look, City, for me, we're going back to the Champions League game, but obviously we're now on the league. But, you know, if, for example, he'd have played De Bruyne from the start, looking back at their games, you know, De Bruyne only played 60-odd minutes against Brighton in the Cup. You know, I don't understand why he was maybe wrapped up in cotton wool because it's not as if he's you know, had a season full of football and he's fatigued. I mean, you saw him against Palace. He was absolutely yeah. electric. Yeah. He was phenomenal. And he was again last night. Yeah. So why he didn't play in the first leg, it wasn't that I game. just don't it know. It wasn't the second leg that cost City. No, it was all. absolutely it, it, the first it was leg. The first leg. Yeah. I mean, and it wasn't just De Bruyne. I don't think they... they I mean, they played Mahrez. De Bruyne came on at the 89th minute, didn't they? They waited for him and Sane to come on at the same time, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah they did. Just yeah. as people were going home, they brought on some of the players they might have paid to see. Yeah. yeah. It, and it's hard... Look, if it's hard to drop Mahrez in, isn't it? You know, uh, and just go, go on then, go and perform yeah. now. You know, he hasn't played that much football. He's probably been a disappointing signing. And they're so much better with a, with a Bernardo Silva or a Leroy Zane and a mm. Sterling out wide. But a couple of, I think a couple of, a couple of positional choices, selections there. And I don't know if Pep's got them right. Is it difficult yeah. for us and is it difficult for a lot of journalists to criticise Guardiola? Because it's funny how a lot of people like us, pundits, more players like you, whatever, we all kind of felt he got it wrong in the first leg. But it almost felt a little bit like people were almost apologetic in criticism of Guardiola. And I don't know if that leads to this weekend and whether he'll now have some sort of self-doubt, whether the criticism might be uh, bigger than it might have been because we didn't really hammer him from the first leg. Does, does that change anything about the way City go about it? And also, it's worth asking about the fans as well. You know, often cited as being one of the quietest crowds in the top six, certainly. You know, there was the story on TalkSport.com, whether it's real, I don't know, about fake fan crowd ambience being pumped in to give an atmosphere. I just don't know. I doubt that's true, but maybe it is. Maybe it was a test thing. But, I mean, what about the fans in the stadium? Will they have an impact this weekend? And now maybe not get after Guardiola, but certainly not think of him as the all-seeing, all-knowing oracle because well, he's made some mistakes. In a few days, I mean, you know, the quadruple could be could be a double. And that's it, Rubbish. basically. You know, that could happen. <laughs> and, you know, if you're the fans, you'll probably be... You'd be absolutely devastated with that. So, yeah, they've got to turn up. He wanted a better atmosphere. Whether he needed to say that, 
I don't think, for example, the fans need props. That apparently there was loads of flags added and they yeah. tried to generate this mm. atmosphere. If you're a Man City fan, you know, you're, it's probably a bit condescending. And, you know, Pep's only been on these shores for a couple of seasons. So I think the fans would be... Look, he's with them. The fans love him, don't get me wrong. But, you know, quite quickly, they could be down to just being a cup side. Mm. I love... Uh, there was this thing I saw earlier this week about... Uh, you know when the fans hold up their little plastic bags now when it's always, they want to show a message, to dare is to do or whatever. And it's like, when you look from the TV cameras, it's like Instagram brilliance. And when you look in reality, in close-up, it's a bloke holding a carrier bag. Mm. And it's sort of a bit like, for an actual fan there, I've been in those situations and I didn't hold up my carrier bag. I'm not, holding up my car- I'm not part of the scenery. I paid 60 quid to be here. I'm here to watch the game. You entertain me. And that kind of thing like, gets to supporters a little bit. That fr- I'll move on from that. You don't want to know that. It just annoys me. It annoys me a little bit. I don't want to hold up a carrier bag. Pay me. 50% off, I'll hold it up. Um, on Tottenham, uh, Maurizio Pochettino. Now, he has been talked about a lot as the next Real Madrid manager, the next Man United manager, the backlash being that he's never won anything. Does this count, as some people have postulated, as much as winning a trophy, getting through against City in this scenario? Yeah, no, trophies are trophies. You want to win, you, you you know, it's a great regret of mine that I've got one trophy to my name as a player, all right? Pretty, it was a, it, it, pretty good in, in, in terms of where my ability was as a player. But I wouldn't have wanted to keep getting into semi-finals. And, I mean, Jurgen Klopp has pretty much come out and said this about Liverpool. We don't want to be, this is a great time to be a Liverpool fan, he said, but we don't want to be remembered as the team who always got to the finals and lost. Mm. It is about It is about winning, you know, at the end of the day. It really is. And Spurs will think that, if they get beaten by Ajax, well, what was the point of the City game? You know, it's, we've got a real opportunity here. You, you, you've got to go for it. Again, you know, the Spurs motto, the game's about glory. I, and I, I do genuinely, it's a bit easy perhaps, but I, I do genuinely buy into that. How many mottos do they have? The game is about glory. Got one for all occasions. To dare is to do. Are there all any others? Yeah. Don't buy any players, of course, yeah. the other motto. We're not as bad as it seems. Spend it's no money, one. the other yeah. one. <laughs> we hate Arsenal. So many mottos. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're Daniel Levy, you know, the motto would be, you know, you know, don't don't need to spend. What well, mm. can you think of a motto? <laughs> uh, yeah. Have yeah. cash, don't spend. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's in in, in in actually on a serious point, he's kind of made a rod for his own back, isn't he, Pochettino? Absolutely. In, in that regard, yeah. it, it's like, well, hang on, you didn't, you sold one player and you didn't bring anyone in, and you, we got to the semi-final. There's no reason why you can't do it again. I mean, look, if you compare the job he's done, Pochettino, it's not comparable to me with any other side, any other manager to be what third in the league, probably going to be in the Champions League. Mm. I actually a terrific side uh, don't get me wrong but if they don't beat them that'll be classed as failure I think they will beat them you know they're they're premier they play premier league football week in week out mm. even without Kane I don't know they should still beat Ajax then they're in the final I just think that's incredible other sides have spent basically something like half a billion pounds yeah. and his net spend has been I don't know was it 30 odd million or yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's nothing I mean he's yeah. he's performed absolute miracles and all this stuff about winning things it's so difficult to win things yeah. it is so difficult so to put yourself in that position where you are in the final four you're competing in the top four in the league arguably you shouldn't have signed his new deal he'd probably be Real Madrid manager now but I tell you what you know he's, he's obviously doing a new stadium they're going great guns hopefully they give him a a few quid to invest mm. and and you know he keeps building but, but he's, he's he is man. the he's the best yeah. uh, he is he's the best coach in the premier league he's got to be he's yeah. up there he, he's a young man still as well 44 45 whatever he is and and, and real madrid's always going to be there for him mm. you know zidane won't be there forever zidane coming back it just stinks of a crisis at, at real madrid to be perfectly honest and i think the game definitely i always say this about management and, and teams there are right managers like sarri Wrong team, Chelsea. Mm. You know, there's there's timing issues. You know, Zidane, 
okay, you have to say great manager, given what he's done. Real Madrid, wrong time, because mm. they're not what they were. So Pochettino looking at that thinking, I'm holding all the aces at Spurs. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not even really expected to win anything given what's happened. I go to Real Madrid and it all goes wrong, you know, because they're not, Real Madrid are not what they were no. at, at all. He's in it's the, the old he's Spurs team, isn't it? He's in the right place at the right time. And there's no way, I always said this, there's no way you're going to wait two years for a stadium to be finished and then walk away. Lads, we've got to move on. Uh, that's a lot on this game coming up this weekend. Uh, it is a replay of Wednesday night. Looking forward to it immensely. The early game, 12.30 kickoff on Saturday. Manchester City up against Tottenham. Uh, we'll move on to the league leaders next. Liverpool take on Cardiff. Stay with us. The Premier League Preview Show with Talk Sport. Here's the corner from the left-hand side. Milner into the near post. Picked off by Mane and Virgil van Dijk is there to power it home and give Liverpool another goal. Their fourth of the night and it's Liverpool 4, Porto 1. Junior Hoyland, corner of the penalty area. Back to Nathaniel Mendes-Lang. He'll go for goal! It's a stunning opener! Nathaniel Mendes Lang with a massive goal here! He was given far too much room, far too much space, and he is delivered in the biggest of all games as Cardiff looked to beat the drop. Now, you may not have noticed this. I certainly didn't. Not too sure many football fans around the world did, but Liverpool also played on Wednesday. Uh, they were in Champions League. I know, it's shocking, isn't it? Uh, they were up against Porto, uh, and they won big in Porto. Uh, the first goal, by the way, by Sadio Mane, for those that missed it, and there will be many, uh, was originally given offside and then was overturned by good old VAR, but it ruins football, you know, cause passion. Uh, but let's get back to the league. Uh, their, their form has been gradually improving. I thought they were fantastic against Chelsea at the weekend. The win against Southampton was potentially season-defining before that as well. You do feel, as we've discussed previously, David Connolly, they have to win every single game until the end to be champions. And Cardiff City away from home, despite their performance and victory against Brighton, is a very, very good opponent for this weekend. Absolutely. Look, I mean, uh, I covered the game for TalkSport International against Southampton. And you've got to say, for 80 minutes, Southampton were terrific. It was an excellent game. He had to make changes, Klopp, in that, in that match. Uh, the likes of Henderson and Milner came on and made the difference, you've got to say. Salah had no space. The one time he was left alone, he broke on a counter, scored an absolutely fantastic goal. Um, and obviously, they got the three points. But, and you've got to remember, Salah, 50 goals, 69 games, only behind Shearer and Van Nistelrooy. And, and he's arguably having a, a what, a, a quieter season? He had a 10-game blip. <laughs> he did. So what does that tell you? insane. It is. So incredible stats for him. But they would not be where they are, as we've already said, without their defence and their goalkeeper. They're basically they're basically half a goal a game. That's what they're doing. They've that halved. it up as well, doesn't it? Yeah. That very fact that those three were, they weren't firing. For a decent period yeah. as well, as yeah. he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that backs up David's point that, that defense without that defense. Turn to the microphone. That'd be better for people. Sorry, but I've just had a text <laughs> from uh, Sir Alex Ferguson. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, you no, signed it, for a better podcast. It, <laughs> it it does back up David's point very well. The fact that you know ten games, Salah, mm. and it was not just him. Firmino, Mane, they all three of them went off the boil. Yeah. Do you fancy a little Mo Salah stat? I always like a Mo Salah stat. Uh, Nineteen league goals this season could become just the third Liverpool player to score twenty goals in consecutive Premier League campaigns after Robbie Fowler and the other one. Come on, hit Ellen. me. Barcelona now. 
Suarez. Yeah, yeah, I get you a big clue, but it's fine. Uh, yeah. but, but it shows you, again, the consistency of what he's done as well. Absolutely. Not just the kind of flash in the pan, whatever. And when he wasn't, we, we had the discussion on the show previously, that when he was playing poorly, as in in front of goal, he was still playing well, he was still setting things up, maybe just snatching at shots. What about the side, though, for Liverpool this weekend against Cardiff? Because they're going to be such massive, massive favourites. Understandably so. Do they make several changes? Do we see... I don't know. Mignolet, maybe, for a laugh. Well, look, I think that he, he made some changes against Porto, didn't he? So he's tried to keep it a little bit fresh. Um, the worrying thing for Cardiff is, if you look at the stats for Liverpool, they've got the best stats from being in losing positions. They've got something like 16 points, the most out of anyone. They were losing against Saints. They came back losing against Burnley. Losing against Palace. Losing against Arsenal. And they beat them by five. Losing against Burnley. So, you, you know, you can keep going. Even Chelsea in September, they came back and got a point. And have scored 20-odd goals, I think, in the last 15 minutes. So this is a mountain, right, for Cardiff to climb. They're probably not going to climb it. This is going to be a, a three points for Liverpool if they play, you know, at 67% of their game. But I think Cardiff have got, you know, bigger fixtures to come. The likes of Fulham away where yeah. they'll be looking at Palace at home. They're the sorts of games, I think, if they're looking at taking points. But Liverpool here, they've got to go play their normal game. They'll be buoyed by the two performances, won't they? Especially the one against Chelsea in between where they were fantastic. I can't see anything other than three points. Let's do a few minutes on Cardiff City. Uh, against Burnley the weekend, I thought that was them done and dusted. They were very, very poor in that game, Dave. Um, and then Tuesday night, a phenomenal performance away at Brighton who are really struggling. We'll get to them later in the programme, but... That you do need someone to do something magical, don't you, in these kind of situations? And, it, and sometimes in this season, it's been Junior Hoylet scored that great goal, yeah. and, and um, a few other moments. But then Mendes Lang from nowhere scores a fantastic goal. That goal was that game was always going to be sort of decided by a moment of genius or a moment of pure dumb luck. Yeah. And they delivered Cardiff, and now right in the mix, chasing a Brighton side who may not get any more points this season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it, it's it wasn't too long ago they were staring down the barrel of a of a, of a seven point swing. Cardiff and the, and it's now reduced to to, to, to one win. Um, Brighton are. I've been in this situation where you cannot you cannot buy a win. Whatever you do, whatever however the manager tries to change it, messing around with the training and and the formation and the players and and they smack of where Reading were when I played for them in the second season, where we just you looked at each other and just think we don't know what's going on here, and we just can't. We went I think eight games without a win basically cost us the uh, our position in the Premier League and, uh, and were you trying different formations were you trying different players we, we, we different going, styles yeah we were like we, we were going down to sleeping in the hotel before home games which we'd never done before just stupid things you know just uh, trying anything to, to sort of arrest the decline and uh, and it didn't work and I, I personally feel Bournemouth are another one for me although they, they, they had a pretty good start so mm. and, and that's what's uh, kept them where they are the Fraser Wilson thing has kept them up hasn't it basically yeah, and well, how good they've been together when yeah, they played uh, uh, exactly the fact they managed to keep those players as well but I think the pair of them but especially Brian uh, they've just been sleepwalking into it that was the phrase used the other week when I did a show with, with Dan Winnerall and he, he said that credit to him because he, he said I feel like they've just sleptwalked like they felt they were okay mm. and, and it's caught up with them and now it's like what are we going to do? Because they're they're in serious trouble now. And Cardiff, uh, uh, they've got the impetus. 
And then they've got a man in Neil Warnock who is the, the embodiment yeah. of a fighter, isn't he? Like He is not going to give this up and he is going to be screaming at every referee and assistant referee and linesman and head of referees and any official we can find, really. Lollipop lady, local policeman, security guard. He's going to scream at everyone until he gets his way, isn't he? And that's someone you want, right, in this situation? Well, you do, but, you know, in the Burnley game, I think he was right. You know, there are a couple of contentious decisions. He's been and, right and quite a lot, yeah, Chelsea. Yeah. He has, and you've got to remember, right, they were leading against Chelsea until a late comeback. Um, and one thing, if you lose like they did to Burnley, you won another game quickly. And they got that. And it kind of went under the radar with all the Champions League yeah. games. And, you know, look, Brighton, there's only two teams got lower points, less points this year than Brighton. And they're the two sides that are relegated. Mm. So what does that tell you? They've got eight points this calendar year. I think Fulham had four, Huddersfield six or something around those sorts of figures. What does that tell you? That tells you, you know, they are going down. They're going to go down. Or if they're not, they're going to survive by the absolute skin of their teeth what might help them is that the the run of games that Cardiff have got is horrific you couldn't handpick worse games it's a bit like Liverpool handpicking their games on the run in a, you couldn't handpick well they, they have got Fulham and Palace so yeah Liverpool Fulham Palace and Man United yeah so they could Probably get six get it might be seven to yeah. stay up yeah and I think it might be over 31 by the time currently they get, yeah it might be over by the time they get there if if Brighton can get something but I like I say I, I look at them as a team and think I don't see where your points are coming from let's talk Brighton they go to Wolves this weekend Saturday 3 o'clock UK time this one gets underway uh, Brighton have won five times away from the Amex this season all against teams who started the day 13th or lower of course Wolves are above them in the table right now We've spoken a lot this year about a lot of Brighton players who came in and have done nothing. The list is enormous. Jahan Baksh is one of them. Saw him in the semi-final, did absolutely nothing in the game. Lacardia came in the January, I think, but has done nothing. Huge list of players. Right now, the only one I saw on Tuesday, David Connolly, with any kind of impetus going forward, was someone who's been there all along, and that was Solly March. He's the only guy carrying them forward now. Everyone else, to me, looks afraid. Well, I mean, yes, I'm a huge fan of Solly March, but he scored two goals all season. I mean, that is just not enough. And you look at their goals, and they just haven't got any. Lacardia four, and one of them was against Millwall in the Cup, and they were so fortunate to get through against Millwall. Um, you know, they, another really poor performance. Brightoner aside, I've got to be honest, if you paid me, I wouldn't go and watch them. Mm. They had a most dour, pragmatic, boring team. Now, he plays a 4-2-3-1. He won't deviate from that, yeah. Chris Hewitt. And what he said is, right, we need to go back to being hard to beat. Well, you've tried to be hard to beat all season. And you keep getting beat. You keep get, Stop I, doing it. Yeah. Why don't you try and be a bit more expansive? I mean, for example, Pas Pascal Gross has come back in as a number 10. and He's missed it, so much this year, though, hasn't exactly. he, Gross? Exactly. needed not, him. Look, he's not going to score goals. Knockhart, as, you know, just hasn't delivered in the Premier League. It was championship. off as well, wasn't it? Absolutely Bournemouth. idiotic. Yeah. What was he doing? And they called a team meeting, I know, after the last game. Um, and then obviously you think, right, there's going to be a reaction. And the reaction was they lost again, mm. which is worrying. So I think, as we've just said, if they do stay up, it'll be probably by default that they've just maybe got that extra point that, that yeah. really, because otherwise... They're not a side I'd want to go and watch, I tell you. Either way, whether they stay up or go down, do you reckon there's a change in the offing as far as Chris Hewton is concerned? He's, I mean, he's popular, done great, isn't hasn't he? He's done great, but there comes a point where you do, everyone's like this. Mick McCarthy at Ipswich, you know, the, no, be careful what you wish for. Mm. Then they, get, they finish bottom and get relegated. But at the end of the day, there isn't anywhere left that he can really take them, is he? He's got all the reaction out of those players he's ever going to get. Unless they actually give him some better new players this time coming, as opposed to what they well, gave him last if summer, if which was some cash there. Yeah. What well. I would say is they've they've invested too much in foreign players, 
And if I look at the likes of a Bournemouth or somebody, um, a Leicester who've brought British, mm. um, then, yeah. you know, maybe dipped into the championship. Too many experimentations in that. Too spot. many, absolutely. You can't have your handbags and Andone. Yeah. One or the other. And Lacardia. And, yeah. and and not fit anyone in and then have to rely on an ageing Glenn Murray yeah. to yeah, deliver. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to do that all season. Uh, the fixtures for Brighton, by the way, we mentioned that the, the Cardiff one. So it's Wolves away this weekend. Uh, it's then away to Tottenham. Home against Newcastle, who are winning games on the road mm-hmm. this season. Away to Arsenal. Last day of the season, home against Manchester City. Yeah. yeah. Big trouble. Great. Yeah, yeah. That Big trouble. You, like you can't see where the points are coming from. You really, And even if the teams that they have to play their season are done and dusted, you still can't see them beating them. Uh, Wolves, interesting this weekend. They had a real Wembley hangover against Southampton last week. One of the poorest performances that Wolves have put in all campaign. They will not want this season to be anticlimactic, so I'm sure they will have a right go at Brighton this weekend. Uh, Listen, when we come back, let's talk United. They go to Everton on... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax... And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Sunday. The Premier League Preview Show with Talk Sport. When you get to this level, you, you cannot slip up and you cannot make mistakes and uh, you've got to take the chances you get yourself. Uh, and we didn't capitalise on our uh, great start, but then they the first two, uh, two shots on target, two goals, and that's uh, game over then. Right, let's get to Sunday. 1.30 UK time kick-off. Everton take on Manchester United after a run of one home win in eight. Everton have won their last two at Goodison Park. United have lost their last two Premier League away games. They've not lost three in a row on the road since January 1996. It's been a weird season for stats for Manchester United. One stat, their longest ever winning run, potentially now one of their longest losing runs. Uh, Let's start by talking about their game in midweek, Dave Kitson. Um, They were atrocious against Barcelona. I know it's Barcelona, but still, the performance was beyond dire. Before that against West Ham at the weekend, I have never seen a side play that poorly and win in my entire career. Like It was incredible how every decision seemed to go their way. The second penalty was probably a penalty, but apart from that, 
you know, there was an offside in the build-up, to be fair. But everything seemed to go their way, and they somehow won. Mm-hmm. The other win in this run is against Watford at home, where they were equally diabolical. United have gone totally off the boil. What's happened? Well, I, the West Ham game for me um, was a sign of things to come, certainly. That, that, that was not a unified performance. I thought, and West Ham, I have to say, I know, you know. You can say it, it's okay. Yeah, I know you, I know you're they weren't West awful Ham once. Fan. However, West Ham didn't do an awful lot, really. It was just that United were that bad. Spaces everywhere. Yeah, it, it, was, just, it was just ridiculous. And um, so you could see trouble brewing. Barcelona, all right, fair enough. They tried to kick Messi to pieces, broke his nose. You know, it didn't work. Mm. Um, I think the text that I that I sent to a, a Man United mate ahead of the second leg was, these are the games where you'll watch Chris Smalling get exposed. Mm. in the Football games. games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> football matches in general, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and he was, and he was. He, he, you know, they didn't have a clue how to deal with, with Barcelona at all. And what I say about Barcelona, which I've never seen them do before, is that they played Busquets and Arta right in front of, of a back two because they were fully expecting United to counter. Mm. And they didn't. They were so passive. My old manager, Tony Pulis at Stoke, he said, don't mind, uh, don't mind us losing. He did. But he said, don't mind us as long as we lay a glove on them, as long as we have a go. I'll tell you something, that is the most passive performance I've seen from a Manchester United side, even under Van Gaal Mourinho for four years. They did not lay a glove on Barcelona, over two legs. Are we not hammering Solskjaer as we would Jose Mourinho? Um, look, they've really dropped off form. I mean, you could start with basically the whole team. You know, Martial, I think he's got he's got two goals since he signed his new deal. I mean, the curse of the new deal. Yeah. He's tried hard, got his new deal, and <laughs> now he's just... I'll be at the beach, guys. Yeah, absolutely. See you in August. And the thing is, they don't have that luxury of players actually informed to do that. I mean, he's got he's got a lot of issues to sort out, and I think he knew that anyway. But I guess really disappointed performances um, against Wolves, they were disappointing. You know, against West Ham, they are disappointing, but they got the three points. I think they only had three shots on goal against Barcelona, over 180 minutes. That's Man United. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> their marking sometimes was awful. De Gea has made a couple of, I think, really poor... Decisions from some poor saves. I don't know whether he's obviously got one eye leaving. Herrera's got one eye on leaving. Probably Lukaku. They've got the likes of Rojo. I mean, he's he's got a lot of issues to solve. And I think he's probably going to limp through to the end of the season. Yeah, it's it's like the, 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 the shore has just come into, into view for the ship and the rats are just getting ready, you know, to, to jump. It, it, there's a good piece actually by Paul Hurst in the Times today where he he dissects the, the, the team and the, and the rebuilding that, that United have. And he's... he's broken it down into sections where he said overpaid and unwanted Sanchez Rocco Damian does not fit the style of play Lukaku Ashley Young Vidic Vidic Matic sorry they could do it Vidic uh, bring Vidic back with Vidic. bring it back now absolutely it'd be fine now questionable commitment Paul Pogba De Gea Andres Herrera poor form Martial Phil Jones Smalling Fred well that is the entire team so, who's so left, who <laughs> exactly, was left in that? Exactly. Nobody so really. That is the, that gives you Scott a really good, a really good snapshot of where United are right now. They can't have another year though of a three hundred million pound investment, which is, is essentially what they're going to need here to rebuild the entire team. Well, without Champions League football, can uh, they? It I can't mean, be done. But the only thing is, I'd say right, okay, Rojo, Lindelof, Bailly, basically. Don't sign them and sign a Van Dyke or yeah. a Delict. And I tell you what, <laughs> yeah. there'll be a huge improvement yeah. because both of those will play. A whole season, but he won't and they'll go make there. a massive improvement. Delict won't go there unless they make the Champions League. No, well, that's, but what, that's the thing. So they have to make it. 
Yes. And so they have to find a way to bring us back to this weekend to beat Everton this weekend, right? So how do they go about that with the players they've got having been awful in midweek? What's yeah, it do? it's going to be very, very difficult to raise them because the expectation will be there. Now, I know they're not, they might not sign a delete. What I'm saying is better recruitment up to now would have helped him. As it is, that, these are the players he's stuck with, right? Mm. So what's he going to do? He's not going to suddenly drop the likes of Smalling or, or Phil Jones because he doesn't really have any other options. And obviously he's got that sort of confidence with those players so he's going to have to stick with them mm. um, and just try and f- I guess get some form they're back on their home turf I don't know and, and have an improved performance mm. I think there's a lot of problems coming up I think Solskjaer look, even, let's say they do give him a, 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 a war chest of a couple hundred million quid he's never had that money in his life mm. who's to say that he's alright you know at least you know with guys like Mourinho okay it didn't work out but when he generally when they spend money they put their money where their mouth is and they p- it's a bit like Klopp everyone criticised how much the keeper cost well Everyone criticised how much Van Dijk cost. Well, mm. <laughs> you know, it, it's like we need... So it's You've got to know how to spend it. Yeah, Guardiola's the same. We need a centre-half. How much does he cost? 75 million? Okay, well, we need him. And, uh, and that's not what's happened at Man United. Hey, look, they're the, they're the richest club in the world. Yeah. They can go and spend another three, 400 million. That's not, it's not a problem coming off their balance sheet. It's just whether... As well as Solskjaer, I think they want a director of football. They want somebody... The structure, yeah. yeah the structure. They now, said we were going to get that eight months ago. I it's know. still Ed Woodward. Yeah. I, I don't understand it. Well, then, I think... Well, look, if it was Pochettino, I think Paul Mitchell would have come in because those two worked together yeah, uh, at Southampton and Tottenham. Right now, Pochettino's not coming in. Okay, who's going to be this director of football? Um, I don't know. You look at an Ajax. Hmm. Look at the signings they've made with a director of football. Overmars, for example. You know, the Van der Sars, their former players... I don't know. Could someone like that do a job for them? That that you know you but look at the. But the he sort of bought players for Ajax from across the Eredivisie, across Dutch football, and young talent. That Ajax. That's what they've not spent the big money that Man United will probably yeah. expect to spend. It's a different sort of way of doing, it, isn't it? Well, it is, but I suppose the director of football's way. Yeah, exactly. I, I guess you 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 spend in the market that you're in. Yeah. yeah. Um, question on David de Gea. Um, how comes he's fantastic against West Ham and rubbish against Barcelona? Yeah, it's normally against Spurs where the where <laughs> players do that, to be honest with How you. How do you make yeah. that save from Antonio? Incredible yes. <laughs> scoop save on the line. And then, you know, fair enough, it was messy. But it was, it was straight it's, at him. It's the nature of goalkeeping. They all do it. Everyone does it. I'm, a massive, us, I'm, a, I'm a massive fan of Lloris. <laughs> He's made a couple of mistakes this season. You know, we're coming off the back of a World Cup year. I, I, people forget that. Mm. We're coming into the business end. There's games every few days. And I think some of these boys are a bit tired. Wants to go on holiday. Um, on Everton, their recent form, uh, fantastic. I watched them against West Ham and they dominated West Ham in a sublime way against Arsenal. They were the better side and won. So how then do they go to Fulham already down and lose by two goals to nil? Can, I, I, sometimes I don't get it. And this one I didn't get from last week. And it wasn't a fluke either. Fulham deserved to win the game. I think they had a nosebleed. I think that, that there were some stats around it. If Everton win this game, it'll be the first time they've done four in a row for you know 150 million years or something. And, and I just think that, it, that they had a bit of a nosebleed. I would have fancied them against United, given the form and Everton's form at home. Without Andre Gomez, who's suspended, who makes them tick, uh, I'm not so sure. And I think the big problem for Everton is whether or not they can even keep Andre Gomez because he's going to go back to Barca. Um, they're talking about 25 million, but he'll be on the radar now of every club across Europe. Could probably get a game in the Arsenal midfield. Uh, I watched them against Watford on Monday. They won the game by a goal to nil, but frankly, they didn't play well at all. Uh, we are recording before their game on Thursday, got to tell you that, so there may well be some injuries and things we don't know. We'll assume for this show that everyone has come out of it all right and Arsenal have done all right in the game. David Connolly, why were they so poor on Monday against the 10-man Watford? Or maybe am I being too harsh because they went there and won? 
Well, look, their their form on the road has been awful, hasn't it? Um, we know that. Uh, on their day, they've been fantastic. I think their home record is is superb. Um, away from home, obviously, it's not the case. I think it was a nervy performance from them, and sometimes it can be that way when you're up against ten men. Uh, still, I think they got the three points. They'll take that. They'll bank that. I don't think they'll be too concerned. Um, and then they get back onto their home form. And look, they've had they're a side I think that have had a lot of injuries. I think Unai has done really, really well actually with what he's got. Um, there's a chance that they've got a good chance I think of winning that Europa League. Arguably against Chelsea, who I think are, are probably the best side in the Europa League. Um, but I think they'll fancy their chances in this one certainly. Uh, back line that may well include Mavropanos and Mustafi, who I both thought were just absolutely horrendous on Monday. Big investment needed there, but Arsenal fans, you already knew that. They're against Crystal Palace this weekend. Crystal Palace are one of the best teams on the road this season. However, certainly recent performances, Tottenham, they were terrible. Man City, they looked like they couldn't be bothered. I know it's Man City, but they didn't really go at them at all. And also, I, mean, I know you're both former strikers, so maybe you won't agree with this, but when you see someone playing as badly as Christian Benteke is right now, do you think to yourself, just retire, just stop this now? It's it's sad to watch, isn't it? I would put my you, boots back on. You probably could, because he can't trap a ball, he can't shoot from two yards. He's probably the best defender the opposition have got. Well, look, to be honest, though, I, I've been to Palace, uh, Sellers Park a few times, and if you've got Townsend and Zaha, there's no point being a front man in that side. You might as well not be a front man. They never deliver the ball. Uh, they've only got eyes for the goal themselves. And I do have a degree of sympathy because he's waiting in the box expecting deliveries and he's just not getting them because of how Palace play. They play opposite foot, foot wingers. They cut inside. And I've been there, actually, and I've sat next to his agent. And, look, I'm not saying Benteke would score 10, 15, 20 goals. I'm not saying that. But he's not going to score it in that Palace side. And I don't know what forward would with those two either side of him. And they're both terrific players. But they're maverick individuals, especially Zaha. And it just doesn't suit Benteke. Look, Palace are a side like a Brighton. I wouldn't enjoy going and watch him every week. Apart from Mihojevic, you know, I don't know where they'd be. He's got, what, 10 penalties? That must be a record in the in the Premier League. Where would they be incredible, without them? Absolutely incredible. It, it really is. And, you know, yes, they got a lot of points away from home. I think nearly 60% of their points. Um, at Sellers Park, they've been dreadful. Um, so I can only see this being, to be honest, although they've, they're they're better away from home. I think Arsenal are going to win this comfortably. Yeah, shame for Palace that at the back, Tompkins and Sacco are out. They kind of built a defence around those two and they're continually injured, often a problem for them. Uh, loads more games to get through. Stay with us on the Premier League Preview Show. The Premier League Preview Show with Talk Sport. Our international feature match, Saturday, 3 o'clock UK time, is West Ham United up against Leicester. Uh, West Ham, finally, David Connolly, have the playmaker that Mamor Pellegrini builds his team around in Mamor Lanzini. It's taken him a few weeks to get to a bit of fitness. Sets up Anderson's goal at Old Trafford. Injured, probably out for the rest of the season. I mean, West Ham just need this year to end, don't they? They must have built that ground on some kind of pet cemetery because this is ridiculous now. Well, it is. Um... And I do have a degree of sympathy, but also I've seen them and covered games for, for TalkSport International and they've been dreadful. Yeah. Against Huddersfield, they were abysmal. They got out of jail very, very luckily. Then they followed that up with a really poor performance. They were atrocious against Everton, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. They were they were so, so poor. And then since then, a couple of defeats. They've they bossed so Man U, didn't they? They outplayed Man United at Old Trafford. They did. How does this uh, happen? Yeah, I don't know. That, that I guess that's their consistency, that, that they're so inconsistent. Um, and Pellegrini has to find 
a solution to that because with the players they've got and the money they've spent, there is no way that they 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 shouldn't be competing with the likes of Everton or Wolves or Leicester for that seventh spot. But they just seem to take one step forward and then three steps back. Yeah. Um, Robert Snodgrass will be able to play this weekend, but he originally was banned because apparently he gave some verbal abuse to a drug tester and they gave him a 30 grand fine and a one-match ban. Seems a bit off, doesn't it? We've Didn't Fabinho re- snot on someone's <laughs> head last week and not get a ban? I mean, we've you ever said something there. to the drug tester you regret, Dave? No, we've all, we, we, we've all been there. It's, um, <laughs> it, 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 honestly, it, and it, they always seem to get you when you've been beaten as well. And you come off the pitch, and you and you can see them standing there with their passes and their clipboards, and because they're, they're not allowed to take the, their eyes off you, and you come in, and uh, yeah, I I have to say I haven't. Uh, uh, Sheffield United, I did give them some abuse, but they took they they took it in the kind of the spirit where, well, everyone does that. Yeah, it of doesn't make be it annoyed, doesn't make it right. But you come a one match actual ban that he may well have to serve. As I say, should be able to play this weekend. But I was amazed at that. It's a, it's a bit like the drug testers are a bit like when you come to these new offices because you can't go anywhere without someone accompanying yeah. you <laughs> with a pass, <laughs> even to go to the toilet. Yeah. So um, I'm kind yes. of part time security guard now. That's well, what I do here. Exactly. Yeah. Keep no, my it, eyes on Connolly at all times. But it, it's not a nice thing, you know. It's not. I don't. You know. I get. I. I. I go a bit sort of. You know. It's a bit awkward standing in the urinals with with a guy staring at you. Having a having a pee, you know? yeah. It's it's not a nice. It's you can, not a nice you should be thing. able to tell him to do one at least once without <laughs> losing thirty grand. I think. Yeah. Uh, what about Leicester City? Um, they were on such a run of form, kind of like Everton, really. And they have Newcastle at home last Friday, and they can't break down again, which has been a Brendan Rodgers problem a lot. A deep sitting packed defence. Newcastle went five at the back, four in midfield, one up front. Um, don't allow any space in behind for Jamie Vardy, and suddenly Leicester can't score. Mm. Do West Ham follow that model this weekend? Can Pellegrini follow that model? I think it's. I think with Brendan, it, it's you can, you can already see because I looked at the stats in that game. You can already see they had over, over twice the amount of passes that Newcastle did. The possession was 74 percent or something. You can see his his mark is already on. On Leicester, Brendan Rodgers, but uh, but it, unless you've got top top players who can break down teams um, by playing that style of football, like a City, you know, and to an extent Liverpool or Barcelona or someone like that, and Leicester don't have it at the moment, so I don't think we're expecting any great shakes from Leicester this season. It'll be it'll be Brendan getting everyone used to it and then supplementing it with with some players who re- who who have just been brought up to play mm. that way. I think it, this is. Um, I think that was an anomaly that result in some ways because they've been on great form. They really have, and I like what he's doing with that Leicester side. And it's a very talented, young, talented team. It really is. You know, um, the likes of Harvey Barnes and Madison and uh, and all these sorts of players. You know, Vardy looks revitalised. Yeah, Chilwell, I love as well. Chilwell is is brilliant. I mean, and DD is still he's still a, a youngster. They're all sort of twenty two or, or or an under. So I think that's a, a one off. I would fancy them actually to be. You know, competing next season really, really well, and I think Rogers has shown he can he yeah. can buy yeah. well in the transfer market, and he can coach a side well. And I think they've done they've done brilliantly to get him Leicester. I think it's been a really good appointment. Yeah, yeah. tough for West Ham this weekend against Leicester at London Stadium. Though the Claret carpet is down after two and a half years, ah, so that's so good, yes, news, isn't that's it? Good, yeah, that's what we really wanted. Yeah, on the night that Tottenham got through to the semi-finals of the Champions League, the Claret carpet <laughs> was laid in East London after three years of intense negotiation. 
really worried for West Ham at, at the moment, but you don't know how good they are because everyone's always injured. No one's ever fit. So I don't know what sort of team they are, what they're trying to do, how they're trying to do it because everyone's always injured. We've got to move on. Let's talk about Newcastle-Southampton. Also Saturday at 3 o'clock UK time. Uh, Newcastle, we mentioned, won at Leicester last week. Southampton winning four of their last six, as many as they had in their previous 23. David Connolly, you mentioned about Leicester next season maybe having a run at it. What of Southampton under Ralph Hasenhutl? There's a lot of people backing them for next year. Well, look, he has had... There's nothing short of a, a what you call a dramatic impact on them. If they'd have kept going with Hughes with the points per game, they'd be stuck on something like 19 or 20 points. I mean, they'd be down. They'd be already relegated. He's come in. He's had a wonderful impact on them. Uh, against Liverpool, the game recovered. I thought they were terrific for 80 minutes, but they did run out of steam. And... Look, they don't have a recognised goal scorer. We know that. I mean, you know, Shane Long has popped up with a couple in the last few games. But prior to that, you know, they just yeah. don't really have a forward that can score them goals. But they've got some really talented players. And um, I really like what he's doing. I love that the he's he's taken time. He's he's changed formation a few times, you know, to try and play the way that he wants this sort of four two two two, however you term it. The likes of Redmond have been, have been brilliant. And the players seem to really enjoy him. They do. They they seem to enjoy his training, enjoy how he plays. I think he's brought them a definite, clear philosophy. Even Ryan Bertrand say that. We know what we're doing at the minute. So I think it's bright times ahead. I think it'll be a difficult game uh, against Newcastle because they'll be strong at home. But I think Hassan Hurtle has been uh, heroic for them. Done it without buying any players as well, which is the trademark of a great coach. And on great coaches and great coaching staff, Rafa Benitez, if they win this game this weekend, Dave, they are over 40 points for another season. They're probably safe already, but yeah. aiming for 40 from the start and getting it is quite a big thing. I'll go out, I'll pose the, I'll pose the question um, because I'm a big Benitez fan and given everything that's going on at, at, at that club at the moment, if he keeps them up and not only keeps them up, but they end up staying up by a good few points, manager of the season maybe? I think it, I'd put him in the top five, maybe, for achievement if they're able to finish. I mean, they may well finish above the likes of Palace, Bournemouth, West Ham. They're chasing them down. That would be a massive achievement. But I, I'm not sure it's as bad as... You said a few weeks ago that you thought it was one of the worst squads in the league. I'm not sure that Newcastle squad is that bad. Fabian Cher, Jamal Lascelles, um, Ayose Perez, um, uh, the winger they brought in, whose name I've totally forgotten, Almiron, Almiron and yeah. Solomon Rondon, plus the keeper... That's probably six players that would get into quite a lot of teams in the other 14. So I'm not sure it's as bad as all that. No, the only thing I'd say is uh, there's a lot going on off the off the pitch. So, you know, is Benitez going to stay? There's talk that uh, Ashley doesn't want to sign anyone over 25. Well, what happens to Rondon then? He's mm. arguably been their best signing. Yeah. Mm. Shah as well. You can go on. Now, if you're not going to back Benitez, he's saying, look, you've got to give me money. And if you're judging it by turnover, right, they get 50-odd thousand every week. Bournemouth get 10,000, but they can spend 25 million on Jefferson Lerma. Now, mm. why has Newcastle taken till January this year to spend 20 million quid? I think Owen was the record signing yeah. up to yeah. them oh, for about years, yeah. Yeah, 15 yeah. years. Yeah. Now, yeah. that is a club, you talk about financial fair play and all that, you know, they've got the income, mm. right? But Mike Ashley does not want it. He doesn't want to spend it on the stadium. It, it looks like it needs a lick of paint. You know, he doesn't want to buy any players. He obviously doesn't want to give him the contract that, that he wants or the autonomy. To make those sorts of signing because it's all right saying right you've got to have a few youngsters but Benitez knows that's not going to be enough in the Premier League you've yeah. got you've got to sign a couple of youngsters but you've also got to spend the money yeah. on the experience and give them the wages because let me tell you you go to Newcastle you've got to pay them 
a bit of a premium to yeah. come up there. Otherwise, they're just going to go to a London club. Uh, let's move on to Bournemouth against Fulham. Saturday, 3 o'clock UK time. Fulham winning last week, but of course down already. Scott Parker finally having a, a good thing to say in his end-of-season job interview. We won a game eventually, uh, but what about Bournemouth? Whatever happens, Dave Kitson, with them, they're 12th. What's going on with them? Can they go anywhere? We have enough of Bournemouth now. Does he need to make some changes there? Well, what we do know about Bournemouth is that, that, that they are heavily backed. People, a lot people don't realise this, but the money behind Bournemouth is absolutely on a par with anything else. It is astronomical. Don't be fooled by the by the size of that stadium. There's monstrous amounts of money behind Bournemouth. Uh, Eddie Howe, I think, was the highest paid manager in, in 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 League One when I played there with Sheffield United by probably fourfold. Um, it, it's always been the case. They pay pretty well. You know, Aki and and Jordan Ibe, they are they can they've got the ability to spend money. Don't they got promoted? And just took the financial fair play penalty on the chin. Just paid it. So with all that being the case, <laughs> so we always think about Little Bournemouth. They just mentioned 10,000 and all that sort of stuff in the ground. Should they be doing better then? I mean, they did win 5-0 last week, to be fair. Well, I think it's, I think it's, a, it's a process. Um, it, it just... I don't think Eddie Howe's his job is, is in danger. But I do think he needs to evolve this season. Because what I'm seeing is the same old Bournemouth year in and year out. And... Mm. Um, just with slightly better players, and I think that catches up with you. you know. I, I, I think it's admirable that you that you have faith in that core that's kept you there, uh, and you you supplement it. But I think everyone is going to spend money around them, yeah. and there's always one team that doesn't, and they always get caught out. Uh, should beat Fulham this weekend. We'll be entertaining as well. Bournemouth games in the Premier League have seen 110 goals scored in them more than any other side in the competition this year. 49-4, 61 against. Very high. Uh, let's move on. Huddersfield against Watford is Saturday at 3 o'clock. 17% of Huddersfield's Premier League wins have been against Watford. Uh, the Hornets could become the first team Huddersfield have beaten three times in Premier League history, though, of course, they're already down. So it'll be a bit of a slim victory, to be fair. For Watford, uh, I thought they were great against Arsenal on Monday, but down to 10 men for long, long swathes of it. Certainly didn't lose their focus in that game. But uh, no Troy Deeney for this weekend after his sending off. What do you make of the sending off? Strikers challenge? You'd have made that challenge, yeah, Dave, yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah was it a red for you? Uh, it would have been a red for me, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, it, it's... Whatever else is happening, Watford season is all about the cup now. Yeah, it's all about that. Nothing else really matters. The way I'd be looking at it is the manager is right. Troy Dean is going to get a nice rest here. That's fine. I'm not even. Go- I won't even complain about this. Nice rest. Their season has all boiled down. I mean, the bet probably would be Huddersfield to to do it, given their previous. Um, we are not bold enough on this show to say Huddersfield are going to win, right? That's well, not something we're going to do. We've not done it before. We're not doing it now. That would be the outside bet. Um, at, at, at this weekend, but I, how does it win? Well, I just think Watford is all. I think it's all. You'll see changes. I think it's all about the FA Cup. That's when you know you're getting to the end of the show. People start saying crazy things. <laughs> We've all lost our minds at this point of pure intensity on the program. Any chance Huddersfield win? Come on. Surely. No, no, I don't think so. I mean, it's basically a, a banker every time a side plays Huddersfield. I think Watford had the game of the season against Wolves, where they were superb. Um, Delafay was just out of this world, yeah. fantastic. Um, so I can see him getting three points here, you know, even without um, Dean. It would give someone like Gray, for example, the opportunity yeah, to, yeah, you know, because yeah. he has complained, Andre Gray, that he wants to start. Well, you know, he, he comes on, does well, then he starts and doesn't really deliver. Yeah. Well, now's yeah. your opportunity, yeah. you know, go and grab it. 
and hopefully with 11 men on the pitch for 90 minutes uh, as well. Uh, Monday Night Football this week, Chelsea against Burnley. We're a long way from there, but it's the worst fans in the league against the worst team to watch in the league for me. Uh, any chance for Burnley at Stamford Bridge? Which way round is that? Uh, Stamford Bridge, Chelsea, Burnley, Monday, 8 o'clock. Which, which ones no, are the no, worst no. fans? Yeah. <laughs> you missed that. <laughs> Sorry, I missed that. I, I thought you were asking which way the game was round. Um, I would say that Chelsea are the worst fans in the league because they've got a team chasing the Champions League in transition a few weeks ago at Cardiff. It's F Sari ball and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Having an all right season, if not great. Calm down, guys. And Burnley, I mean, I know Dave hates Brighton, and rightly <laughs> so. But Burnley, I mean, they are stomach-churningly bad. They're pumping up to Peter Crouch yeah. if, if he's fit. Well, look, i tell you something uh, um, with Burnley. Um, I think that when they were really in the mess... And it looked as if they, they they could be one of the teams that could very realistically go down. Everyone was saying Sean Dyer, Sean Dyer. They've gone as far as they can go. It's you know they, they've got to change. They've got to evolve. In a bizarre kind of way, the fact that he has managed to rescue a group of players who are not household names, all right, a fairly middling group of players in the Premier League, and turn them round. Exactly the thing that Chris Hutton can't do. Is almost probably more of a feather in his cap. Than, than the 8th or 7th place or whatever it was uh, last season. I, I, I just think he's now proved himself as a manager across every uh, every spectrum. If it goes wrong, I can get it back. And that's one of the hardest things to do in, in, in management. It really is. Uh, we are recording before Chelsea's game in midweek, though they are big favourites for that game on Thursday. So I would imagine, as you hear this, they will probably be through or just about to be going through. It's not been all that bad, David Connolly, has it? Uh, final question of the show for Chelsea this year. Should they line up a bit on Sari? Horrible though he is. Well, the, yeah, they have got it in for him, haven't they? Um, I think he's actually done a pretty good job. Um, you know, he's got a tough sort of act to follow. In Conte, obviously won the league. Mourinho won the league. Um, they're not going to win the league. We know that. Um, they might have to win the Europa League. To to um, qualify for the Champions League, which they can, which they can, and and actually they've had to play I think ten games, um, and I covered one of them uh, before playing anyone of note in the Europa League because it's just the worst format I think yeah. ever. Yeah, um, Nine hundred like, games before Slavia Prague. I mean, yeah, come on, and then they win by you know five or six goals or whatever it may be. Kiev the same. Um, they're far too good. The likes of Loftus Cheek, I mean he destroyed Declan Rice. Yeah, he did. He was brilliant. Absolutely he, brilliant. He was on a different level. But he'll be injured for five weeks at some point but soon, I, I'm sure. I think at times, Sari has, has made a couple of errors, whether it's selection or whatever. But even Hazard's now, whether he's saying this because he knows he's out the door, I don't know. But he's saying, look, you know, I agree with Sari, but we, we, we're working together. It's a process. And I think it is a process. I think he's made really poor press conferences. I think his terminology maybe and his structure and his language He's just rude, isn't he? He's a rude guy. Well, like, he's just a rude guy. I and if you needed a cigarette that badly, you'd probably be rude as well. But <laughs> it's not an excuse for me. I'm not allowing it. Well, I actually, I was at Stamford Bridge once and... Um, I was having a bit something to eat before the game, and I was just stood on this little po po not. I wasn't stood on a podium. Eating food <laughs> on a podium. Uh, yes, that sounds a bit. Um, it's a weird show. This yeah, performance art. Yeah, but I was beside this, but and another chap was beside me, and we, we didn't really speak, and I was with in company, and then it turned out at the end of the game, he was sat beside Sari, he was his translator. Oh right, okay. Um, but he's obviously no not he's doing. Unhappy. He's not doing a very good job <laughs> because um, I think Sari, he definitely needs some work with what he, you know these things like mental, yeah, you know, they're, 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 they're mentally confused, confusion. Like just don't be saying those words. He yeah. needs a bit of help because the Premier League, I think, analyze, scrutinize everything, and actually, I think on the pitch. You know, this sorry ball, Kante, you've got to say at times, has looked good in that forward yeah. role. Uh, look, if I was a Man City or a 
you know, anyone else in the league, I'd be signing Kante yeah. as a holding midfield player, right? But he's got Jorginho. He's sticking with that. we just got to lump it. Whole, but in and around yeah. him, look, yeah. if he gets a centre forward who could score goals, where would they be? Because they've had they've had Morata, they've had Higuain, and the, look, not going to be able to sign anyone, but if they were able to get someone, yeah. you know, I think they're, they're not far off. The only thing is they're probably going to lose Eden Hazard, who is a maestro. Against West Ham, yeah. he was incredible. Yeah, but everyone's good against West Ham, mate. Uh, it was funny watching Jorginho against Liverpool, one of the great, most intense games of the season. It was great to watch. You've got Jordan Henderson running both ends, Kante running both ends. In the middle of it was Jorginho not moving. The whole game just passes him by. I don't understand that. However, we haven't got the time to talk with Jorginho again this week. We do have time to sing this for Chelsea fans because I feel you should lighten up on Sari. Everyone join in if you want to. Love Sari ball. Love Sari ball. Love Sari ball. <laughs> Not as a Spurs fan, mate. No. Nobody. Okay, right. <laughs> Another show next week. Uh, see you again. Thanks a lot, guys. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. 